Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't to play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Definitely in the house the other the other night. Kevin Green was in the house the other night. Greg Lloyd was in the house the other night. But most of all, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense was in the house the other night at Heinz Field. Renegades all around a beautiful redemption on Sunday night at the, at the tune of forty three to fourteen. Pittsburgh Steelers over the Kansas City Chiefs. You know I'm feeling good. I know all of Steeler Nation is feeling good. And the six-pack of Factor Fiction is definitely going to be feeling good tonight. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. As always with me is someone that I know is feeling good up in Syracuse, NY. His name is Zach Parnes. How are you feeling, my man? Brian, could I be anything less than elated right now? I mean, how can you not be happy with the way that the Steelers played on primetime TV Sunday night? So is elated the the highest the highest you can go? I don't know. You know, I haven't done any of my SAT vocabulary stuff in a little while. I, I haven't done any SAT <laughs> words, but I'm sure if I look back in that book, I, I could find one. T eighty eight. So I think the book well, you know, it's really changed. Brian, before we get started, I I found out a detail from a friend of mine the other day. Get a load of this. I thought this was very creative. They basically have this fantasy league, right? And the person who comes in last place in the league has to take the SAT and send their scores <laughs> to the rest of the league. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is great. Steeler Nation, remember that one. Instead of getting a Bieber tattoo on your calf like some – some people have to do that. Would be great punishment. Are you, I think I think we should start a league and do that. Um, but I'm definitely going to work hard on the league because I don't want to share my scores with anybody. I will tell you that right now. 
The one score that I want to share is 43 to 14, Zach Barnes. 43 to 14 the other night. And those 14, really, those 14 might as well be zero because that was garbage time when they, when they happened. And uh, I, I don't even think they should really count that against the, the average of the defense. That's how dominant that team was the other night. Um, what were your thoughts on the game, my friend? Oh, my God. I mean, it, first off, it, the first word that comes to my mind, Brian, when I take a look at that game is effortless. I mean, the Steeler offense just gets out there and, and really looks dominant from top to bottom uh, from the moment of the beginning whistle until they, you know, sent their second line on uh, to actually play. I was nothing less than really, really happy with it. Um, I, and I think anybody who was watching was was definitely happy with a, a solid return from Le'Veon Bell as well. Uh, but Ben, you know, really utilizing that that ability of his to throw to other targets other than A.B. We, we all know that Antonio Brown is the top wide receiver in the league, but right now he's got a great supporting cast that's stepping up, making big plays for him. Marcus Wheaton, we saw him involved in that first drive on the two-point conversion. Sammy Coates was down the field a lot, a lot of opportunities towards Coates. Darius Hayward Bay caught the first touchdown of the game. I mean, we were seeing – the offense fire on all cylinders. The defense looked great. Jamal Charles had nothing going the whole night, uh, but the offense really to stand alone. Have we ever remembered a time when the Steeler offense has been this good? Uh, it, it's really, really good, Brian. No, this is this is the best Steeler offense that I have seen, and I have been watching the Steelers since I was seven years old in 1979. Um, so, when I could really pay attention was that's when I was first able to start paying attention. And I do not remember an offense with all the ponies, which will lead us to our very first question of the night, I believe. But before that, let's talk about factor fiction. You know how it goes. We bring up bold statements, Zach and I do, regarding the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to label them as either fact or fiction. Now, you know, Zach and I, we agree on a lot, but we disagree on a lot, and we're not always going to agree. So your views are going to be different than our views. So we want to hear from you. So the number that you should call would be 347-850-8581. Wait until we're finished with the entire six-pack for the end of the show. That's when we are going to start taking calls. And the show, is, as always, is brought to you by Frank Walker Law top 100-ranked trial attorney in Frank Walker for his PA office. Call 412-212-3878. Or to reach his West Virginia office, call 304-712-2089. You should also check out his website, frankwalkerlaw.com, to see how he can help you in your time of need. Frank Walker Law, real talk, real experience, and real results. So, Zach, let's break into the fact or fiction and go ahead and get started with this. I'm really excited for this show tonight. This is uh, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. I'm really glad we have it because last last week it was a real downer. <laughs> so let's get started, and I'm going to move number uh, two up a little bit to number one because it uh, brings up what I alluded to at the beginning of the show. So let's start with Sammy Coates. Now Mike Tomlin a few years ago labeled Mike Wallace a one-trick pony, and mostly because he was the guy that could catch the long ball. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have another guy wearing number 14 in Sammy Coates, 
So, back or fiction, Zach, the long ball threat, Sammy Coates, is what Mike Tomlin would label a one-trick pony. Is that fact you know, or I is that fiction? I go fiction here, Brian, and I'll tell you why. I think that people undersell this guy a lot. Um, and, you know, we've been talking about it for several weeks now about, you know, the, the complexities of Sammy Coates. He, he certainly is a bit of an anomaly there. I mean, he is your labeled, you know, number two slash number three wide receiver, no matter where you want to put him uh, in that position. I will tell you this right now. Coates, for me, embodies a lot of heart um, and, you know, can often find himself in some interesting situations. But I'm taking a look at these numbers all season, and he's not really averaging those long throws like everyone is saying. I mean, the guy averaged – 13 yards a catch last game. I mean, he's only had one week where he's averaged more than 30 yards a catch, and that was against Cincinnati. Um, I don't think that he's a one-trick pony. I don't think he fits the same rapport as Mike Wallace either. I think it's a terrible comparison because, obviously, they are two very, very different guys. I mean, he's obviously the team's top deep threat besides uh, Antonio Brown, but he is getting those looks across the middle. So for that reason alone, I don't think he's a one-trick pony. Fiction. Well, I am going to agree with you, but I'm also going to correct you. So I am going to go with fiction as well. There's a lot of things that this guy can do. Now, last week, when you looked at the receiving leaders for average yards per catch, he was number one in the league with, I believe it was 29 yards per catch. He's had a lot of big ones. Now, he was six out of eight. So uh, eight balls thrown to him had six catches this week. He is now number number 15 in the league with average yards per catch at 21.7 yards per catch. Now, if you asked me this question last week, I might have given you a different answer, but I'm going to go with fiction because we saw him go on some short routes and saw where he was able to pull in the ball. He was running pretty good routes. He was, of course, you know, first series of the game, he's catching that long ball for 40-some yards, looking just fantastic on the long ball. He's stretching defenses. Now you have more guys on the field that are going to catch the ball that are more of a threat. So you can't – it's going to be hard to single cover any one of these guys. You can't – I mean, you can't leave Antonio Brown alone. On one play, they actually did. You can't leave Hayward Bay alone. You can't leave Sammy Coates alone now. Marcus Wheaton, now that uh, he got the rust shaken off, you're not going to leave that guy alone. He's averaging 16 yards yards per catch, albeit he's only had two balls thrown to him. But these guys, now you have two guys in the backfield that can catch the ball. Um, D'Angelo Williams is not the biggest pass-catching threat, but he's shown where he definitely can do it. But then you have Le'Veon Bell, who's lining up as a wide receiver, who uh, might be in the same backfield at some point with, with, uh, with uh, D'Angelo Williams. So there are so many weapons on that field. It's Christmas every day of this season for Ben Roethlisberger. He's like a kid in the candy store. He is going to have the best numbers of his career now that Le'Veon Bell's back, now that they have redemption, now that they have things figured out. So I'm pretty excited for where this team's going, and Sammy Coates is not going to be that one-trick pony. Now, I believe when Mike, Mike Tomlin did say that about Mike Wallace, 
he was trying to fire up Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was a little more of a problem in the locker room with the whole young money thing, being the leader of young money, um, along with Antonio and along with Emmanuel Sanders back then. There was a lot of ego coming from Mike Wallace. That's one of the reasons that Antonio Brown was given the contract as sort of a uh, thumb to uh, actually a middle finger to uh, Mike Wallace at that time when he got that contract, and thank goodness he did because uh, a lot of people were poo-pooing that contract at the time. It's like, why are they giving it to Antonio Brown? He hasn't done anything. Well, he really has shown that that was the best bargain in all football, and it's still paying off for him. So, but this is a guy that can, he can catch a short ball. His hands are getting better. His routes are getting better. Ben Roethlisberger trusts him now, and you can tell that he trusts him. So it's a good thing. One-trick pony, no. But even if he was a one-trick pony, that trick's pretty darn good. But he can do a whole lot more than that, Zach. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I think has always reigned true for me about Sammy Coates is watch him when the, when the ball is not in his hands or headed his way. He's a very, very good blocking wide receiver. I think a lot of people don't give him a lot of credit for that. And on top of that, uh, he moves extremely, you know, diligently to draw that second defender over to him and hopefully uh, expose something over across the middle or down the field in the case of looking for Antonio Brown. So I think he, yeah, I agree with you. He, he's a lot more of a grounded guy than Mike Wallace, obviously. But at the same time, his style is also extremely different from Mike Wallace. Both of them apples and oranges when it comes to the one-trick pony. Well, I will go ahead and agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Um, let's go ahead on to number two. And as we look at number two, the first quarter grades for the 2016 draft class would be a C. Fiction here for me, Brian. Um, and I'll tell you why. I, I think Javon Hargrave, for him to be able to step up and take that starter spot, that is, that's way bigger earning than a C. Artie Burns has looked a little bit shape, uh, shapey, or shape, uh, oh my goodness, I can't even say that word. He's been looking a little shifty there uh, alongside the corner position. I, I really don't know where my mind's at with him. I'm just assuming he's a rookie. He's, he needs a little bit more time. I think Javon Hargrave alone really makes it uh, more of a conversation in that B range. Listen, no one's killing it by any means. I mean, we're, we're not seeing a whole lot. Uh, you know, from Sean Davis, and, you know, obviously the, the other guys either did not make the roster or they end up coming in and, and really not producing that big of an impact. I think it's a little bit higher than a C, uh, but I wouldn't go that much higher. Well, you know what? I am going to just disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you, but really don't have a letter grade to put on it. I think C's pretty fair because – you're getting average play out of these guys. But right now, average play is not necessarily a bad thing to get out of these guys. You have um, some people getting frustrated with Artie Burns. I'm not getting frustrated with Artie Burns. And I'll, I'll tell you why. He's out there. This is exactly what we knew we were getting when we got him and knew that he was going to be uh, making some mistakes. And that, But one of the, one of the reasons you're going to make mistakes as a young quarterback the biggest mistake you're going to make um, is going to get bur- being getting burned. He's not getting burned. He's, he is making a lot of pass interference 
penalty. And that's coming, whether it's beholding or pass interference penalties. And that doesn't bother me too much because he's fighting and he's playing out there and he's learning on the job. It would be, for me, lower than a C if it was a situation where he was, where he was sitting on the bench and not playing. And that's what we got with the 2015 class. We hardly saw any of those guys. I agree with you, Javon Hard. Excuse me, I can't speak now. Javon Hargrave <laughs> is going to be a stud. He hasn't really uh, set the world on fire like a lot of people thought he was going to do coming out, but he's got to go ahead and learn on the job. But it's not too bad when you've got guys like Ricardo Matthews to go ahead and help him out, when you still have Daniel McCullers to go ahead and get in there. They're, uh, they're doing a lot of things. Hargrave is starting, and he's playing. So you're winning when these guys are on the field, when you have rookies on the field learning and playing, and that's something Collinsworth brought up the other night. When they're on the field now, that means they're contribu- contributing a whole lot more when you go ahead and look at November and December. So right now, they're not setting the world on fire. Sean Davis is in there a lot, but he's not setting the world on fire. Matikiewicz is looking nice on, uh, on uh, special teams. He's not setting the world on fire, but he's doing a pretty darn good job on special teams. So I think a C is good right now for average. I expect that to go up. I expect that to uh, be in the B range come the second half of the year. And then that, if you're in the B range, that's a complete victory. And that is a very good class if you have guys contributing like that. Um, they need to move up steadily, and that's what they're going to do. But right now, I feel safe in saying, yeah, average. We'll give them a C, maybe knock it up to a C plus. And uh, but that's good for right now. They're on the field, which means they're winning. Zach. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, Brian, I mean, you're also getting like quality snaps out of these guys. I mean, you got to think about it from that sort of perspective. You're you're actually getting them NFL reps right now, which is something that a lot of teams, rookies, can't necessarily say. You've got guys who are sitting off on the bench and sitting off to the side unless, you know, they're their high first-round picks. Uh, the Steelers are getting a lot of guys involved here, which I think is very positive. Well, let's move on with where we're going. I mean, I think it's safe to say that we're going to disagree with that one, but we will also agree on the fact that we are very encouraged by this rookie class, and that's something that we haven't been able to say for quite a while, I would say uh, for at least uh, four or five years maybe I'll go back to that that class with um, Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders and the one when um, let's see, 2010 Marquise Pouncey, that was, a, that was a very good rookie class too but I think this is one of the more promising rookie classes that we've seen in a long time. So let's go ahead and move on with the fact or fiction and we are going to go ahead on to number three right now. And number three, actually, I'm losing my place here, Zach, and I apologize for that. But number three, we're talking about uh, a guy who uh, really shined in 2010 as a rookie, and now he's uh, shining as one of the best players in the entire National Football League, and that is none other than A.B., Antonio Brown. But one thing that has always bothered me about Antonio Brown is his showmanship and extracurriculars that gets the yellow laundry a flying. 
So fact or fiction, Zach, Antonio Brown will get flagged on every touchdown he scores this season. Is that a fact or is that fiction? Uh, that's fiction in my mind, Brian. I, I don't think it's going to happen under a guy like Mike Tomlin for that much longer. Um, I, I think it's definitely going to happen more often than not. Uh, but is it going to get to a point where it's every single time the man crosses the end zone he's getting flagged? No, I, I think that might be a bit of a gross uh, over uh, a little hyperbole there, rather. I I am still of the belief that this is an issue that really isn't that big of a deal when you get flagged for stuff like this, simply because the ball is now so far up because of the new kicking rules that it's very difficult for you, you know, to actually keep the ball in play, especially for a guy like Chris Boswell who's just been kicking it out of the end zone so much. Um, you know, these 15 yards are actually putting the kickoff back on terms here for the Steelers. And we saw them utilize that against the Chiefs. Um, on that one kickoff, I forget who took it back for them, but they ended up bringing him down on the four-yard line. So maybe it's not Sorry, a bad refill. idea to actually have this happen. It could be a little strategic play. I got to completely disagree with you on this one, Zach. Um, will he get flagged on every touchdown he scores this season? Probably not, but I'm still going to go with fact just for the simple fact that he's got to stop there. This is something that he just has to stop doing. Um, I love the showman that Antonio Brown is, but when you know something is going to penalize the team and you know it's going to happen, you, you don't have to do it. He has the endorsement. He's, he's racking up more and more endorsements every week. It's not like he's uh, Alejandro Villanueva that's only going to get that one endorsement for USAA, which I think is awesome, by the way. But he's going to get more and more. He's going to be in the Peyton Manning range of endorsement. Um, that's how vibrant he is. But he doesn't need to do this stuff. We don't need to see him dance. We don't need to see him hump a goalpost. It's just not necessary. And when you have a point that that 15, that someone does bring it out with, with 15 yards and it does hurt you in a tight game, then it's all on you. And when you're a veteran team player, you, the shenanigans like that, you just got to stop. I mean, you need to think about the team more and more. And uh, everybody knows if you want to see you dance, you turn on ABC, go to abc.com, watch old episodes of him dancing around and, and, uh, and trying to uh, beat Von Miller as far as, uh, as doing the tennis. That's when I want to see him dance in the offseason. I don't want to see it right now. I don't need to see it. I'm glad he has stopped doing the old ball drop that he has finally stopped doing. It took him a long time to do it. Look, we know how good you are. You do not have to put that exclamation point on the end of it. I love him as a player. I love everything about him. I love his drive. I love the fact that he's an individual. I love his haircut. I think his haircut's amazing. I, I love when he takes off his helmet because I know it's going to be different each time. I think he went with the mohawk this week, but it's still unique to him. Stop dancing. I don't need to see it. If I want to see someone twerk, I'd rather watch Miley Cyrus twerk. And she's a total slut bag. But I'd at least rather watch her than Antonio Brown do it. Don't need to see I'll it. Tell, 
So Brian, at, here's my at this point. Brian, here's Brian, here's my thing with that though. I think that this sort of dancing and these shenanigans and whatnot, though they may seem like shenanigans to some, in my opinion, they are sort of acclimating him to a younger generation. I think it's it's making him a very popular person. You know, the fact that he's willing to have fun. I mean, think about like the one of the guys in the league right now who gets a lot of positive publicity because he has a lot of fun is Rob Gronkowski. And I think the fact that Gronk has so much fun resonates with fans. It's like, hey, he's a normal guy just like the rest of us, though he has absolutely unbelievable talent uh, on the gridiron. But here we are with a guy like Antonio Brown. First off, you're blessed enough to have him on your team. And I get that the penalties might start to be excessive, but I mean, is it really hurting anything? Like, is it really affecting that? I mean, you gave the example of if it comes down to a close game and, God forbid, something happens, that's on you. But we, but we haven't seen that yet. Zach, you saw what 15 yards, even though it wasn't on a kickoff return, you saw what 15 yards was able to do in the playoff game against Cincinnati. It was to our benefit, those penalties, won that game. I know it's a completely different story. It wasn't done in the same way. In fact, why Vontae's perfect was not flagged for running into the tunnel, I don't understand. I still just, I'm still angry about that, and, and the Steelers won that game. But here's the thing. I know I sound like an old fart right now. I know I sound like the guy that should be chomping on a Werther's original and yelling, kids, get off of my lawn. But I'm done with it. I really – I. He can be a showman elsewhere. Hand the ball off. I mean, you can do what you need to do. You can dance a little bit, but don't try to sell yourself every week. You are sold. The guy is sold. And if 15, if this kind of stuff is trying to sell endorsements and not win football games, then that's, you're being an individual, and you're not being a team player at that point. I'm not saying that he's not a team player. I like what he does with the young receivers. He was taught by Heinz Ward how to block. You mentioned the fact that Sammy Coates is blocking now. You know that has come from Antonio Brown also because it's been handed down. But a part of being a leader is not costing your team in a big situation. And 15 yards on a kickoff could kill you. And it's time for it to stop because, like I said, he is already appealing to a younger generation. I, I understand what you're saying, but when Gronk is appealing to a younger generation, it's not because he's spiking at football. It's because he's dancing shirtless with uh, with women, and uh, and he's he's a party guy, and they like to know that. So that's a part of his outside image. But Bill Belichick does not let that go on the field. It does not happen in New England. So as much as Gronk is appealing to the younger generation, the fact that Gronk scores 18,000 touchdowns for your fantasy team a year, that's what's ultimately selling Gronk. What, what sold Antonio Brown in the first place is the fact that he keeps on upping the bar on receptions every single year. What he's doing on the field, every time he touches the ball, he's dynamic. But when you're risking injury doing flips into the end zone like he was still doing last year when he's jumping and straddling a goalpost, I mean, I know it's to sell your brand, 
I know the whole business is booming thing, but he does so many things to sell his brand off of the field. His brand is the fact that he is a fantastic football player, and that's all it needs to be, Zach. All that it needs to be. I get what you're saying, but, Brian, at the same time, it hasn't bit us yet. And until it bites us, I, I really don't have a problem with it. Yeah, but that's, then, then it's, yeah it's, that's like saying don't put your seatbelt on until you get in an accident. Well, shouldn't we be cautious? That's a very good example. Avoid the penalty. Avoid the injury, avoid the pe- – I'm not talking the penalty, but avoid the accident in the first place. And if we have an accident, know that we have that seatbelt on and we're safe. Or that's like doing something that, okay, I'm going to keep doing it until it hurts me. But here's the problem. You do something and it hurts you so bad that you're dead, then that's you, – you can't learn from that mistake. I understand it. I'm telling you, the, the older generation will turn on him in a second if he costs him a game, if he costs this team a game for something stupid like 15-yard penalty that steps up a field goal. Because I'm telling you, the Justin Tuckers of the world, they can hit a 60-yard field goal these days. They, they can do it. And they can – teams now are driving down the length of the field – in under 60 seconds. It is just so amazing uh, the, the time it takes to get that field goal unit out there and ready. And these guys are hitting field goals. And if it's that close of a game, we, all, we almost saw it the other day, and I was shocked that uh, the Ravens didn't go for a 60-some yard, yard of field goal with, with Tucker because that's how good he is. And that's what can happen. These guys – a guy in Denver could hit a 65-yarder just like that. It's been done a few times in Den- Denver. Prater did it. Elam did it. Those long field goals because it's easily done. And if you're dancing in Denver and in the playoffs and something like that happens, there's no tomorrow. So maybe I'm being overly cautious. Maybe I'm, being the, maybe I'm just being a curmudgeon. And if that's the case, uh, I'll own it. But you know what? I love Antonio Brown, but I want him to go to that next level that Ben Roethlisberger did. And Ben has gone to that, last, that next level as complete leader. We have complete trust that he is not going to cost us a game for something silly. So at this point, I want Antonio Brown to go to that next level as a leader. He's doing it in a lot of aspects, but I want him to do it more. Yeah, I, I get it, Brian. I, I I understand your point on this. I just think that it has not been a problem to the point where there's no, been no need for Mike Tomlin to address it. There's been no need, uh, you know, for anybody else to address it because this team keeps winning games and, and the penalties. I also think that he chooses to do this in situations where he knows he can do it. I think, you know, he's got that conscious state where he has now accepted the fact that, hey, I can't do this when we're down 10 points. I don't think anyone in their right mind would do it when they're down 10 points. But they haven't been in any of the situations. So I think it's okay for now. The second that he does it at a wrong time, I will agree with you. But, but like I said, it, it, it hasn't been a wrong time yet. Well, he hasn't 
he hasn't scored at the wrong time. He uh, he did not score against Philadelphia. Um, he really he didn't score against Cincinnati either, and that was a lot tighter of a game. So really, we have not seen him score in a situation where it was it was a tight game. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to do it in that situation. The fact the refs are looking for it. It's like it's almost like James Harrison now. Every time James Harrison makes a tackle, they have the hand on the flag, and you're just wondering if they're going to pull it out. So when he scores a touchdown, it seems like the hand is on the flag, and they're ready to go. I thought, I, I, I thought you had to go to the ground, but now that he's twerking, and now um, I guess I don't consider it lewd, but I guess the fact that he's thrusting, that's why they're going ahead and throwing it, but why risk it? Why risk anything? I mean, if you're up 14 points and he's dancing and you get the 15-yarder and next thing you know, it's a seven-point game, it's the National Football League. It's not like you have – you don't have the 85-bear defense either. Um, no time is the right time anymore. It's just going to that next level. We are going to disagree on this all night long, that. And that's what the nature of this show is. So I'm glad we had this topic tonight, but we better move on. We are at the halfway point of the show at this point. And once again, the show is brought to you by the one and only frankwalker.com. So remember Frank Walker Law for all of your needs. We are going to go ahead and move on with the show. So number four, the injured stealer whose return is the most pressing is Ryan Shazier. Is that fact or fiction? Brian, that's got to be fact. This guy, I, I said it a few weeks ago, he embodies Steeler football. He is a hard-hitting leader on the defensive side. And I have a feeling you're going to agree with me very much so on this one because I, I think the world of him. And I think that he's got tremendous potential to come in and make this defense even more dominant than it's already been. Um, yeah, I think he's the guy that you miss the most right now. I couldn't think of anybody else who would even get close. You know what? I'm going to go fiction. I'm going to shock you. I'm actually shocking myself that I'm going fiction, and it's not for the spirit of the show, not to completely disagree with you. And last week, actually three days ago, before this game, I'm going back every single time on Ryan Shazier because I think he is amazing. We need to get him back, but I'm going to say that it's Bud Dupree. And the only reason I'm going to say that it's Bud Dupree right now is number 98, Vince Williams, in 16 tackles. He looked like Ryan Shazier a little bit slower. He's not as fast as Ryan Shazier, but he looked dominant. I thought that was Junior Seau out there. I thought that was a Ray Lewis-type player out there the other night. Vince Williams, if you want to know why he got that contract extension, why he got that new deal, that was apparent on the field against Kansas City the other night. 16 tackles, Zach, and 14 of them were solo. I was so impressed with Vince Williams. It was amazing. Now, I want Ryan Shazier back yesterday. I want him back. I can't wait till he's on the field. I love the fact that you have the best backup in the league at linebacker. But right now, it's not happening 
on the side that Bud Dupree should be on. And it seems like he's going to be out a little bit longer. He's just starting to walk better again. Um, he came out and spoke after the press conference today, and it all, almost seems like he's going to be out a lot longer. The pass rush, rush was unleashed a little bit more, but I'm telling you, as much as I like Chicolo, as much as I like Moats, they're not Bud Dupree, and I think that's the guy that they need back to shore it up. I don't want Ryan Shazer out a long time. I don't want Ramon Foster out a long time, but B.J. Finney went ahead and played admirable in his stead. And Vince Williams is playing like a world beater in Ryan Shazier's stead. He's not going to Wally Pip, right, Ryan Shazier? That's not going to happen. But the guy that you really need to see back, healthy and dominant, is Bud Dupree. Zach? Yeah. Well, Brian, I mean, you give a great reason for it. I mean, Vince Williams, God knows – where the hell this came from from him because yeah 14 tackles in the last game but you have five in his last three games um i really like what he brings to the table um i thought he looked extremely electric against a, a top 15 offensive line in kansas city but i will tell you this i think the second that shazier comes back you're going to start seeing more turnovers and I think that that's something that the Steelers defense has not done a good enough job of doing right now is forcing fumbles and forcing those bad throws for interceptions. And I think that's something that Shazier brings that Vince Williams just doesn't have to his game. Yes, he's a solid tackler. He's great in the open field. He's a steal by all measures uh, considering the guy was a sixth-round pick. But I'll tell you this, if he is not actively turning the ball over, I, I think that this – you know, this sort of window for him is going to be short-lived. I, I don't see him having another game this year where he even gets double digits in tackles. Um, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I, I wouldn't think so. Well, Zach, this was a trap. And, you know, I like to pull that on you every once in a while. And I, I like to pull that on the listeners also. This was basically, this fact was written up to praise Vince Williams. That's the reason I did it. And I just try to do it in a creative way. And also, there are a lot of injuries on the team. And so this was set up to mention how the guys, in the st- instead of the starters, how the next man up, are, how it's really working right now in Pittsburgh. There's one guy I did not mention, and he was, he was actually high on my list too, is uh, Rob Golden. Rob Golden is having a fantastic start of the year. But, wow. Jordan Dangerfield was all over the place the other night, too. So, basically, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is the next man up is really working right now in Pittsburgh for the defense, and I'm really proud of how these guys are coming in and gives you a lot of hope for the stretch run. No one is irreplaceable, but it's nice to know that these guys can step in and play really well. I think a guy like Vince Williams could probably start on most teams in the National Football League. Um, and that could be a uh, factor fiction for, for the future. Um, but you know what? Ryan Shazier is one of the hearts of that defense. I think if you had to rank the heart and soul of the defense, I would say probably one and one A would be Hayward and Shazier. And then number two, I would probably put James Harrison right there. And I would have Mitchell up pretty high up on that list also, because those are the guys that are 
really the motor of the team. And I even failed to mention a guy like Timmons. So I'm really liking the way this defense is shaping up. I think the team are world beaters when Ryan Shazier is there. But this is the first time we saw Ryan Shazier in a hoodie and not be missed. And that is very encouraging. So like I said, this was a trap. This was more to talk about Vince Williams. There's uh, really no right or wrong answer on this one. But uh, that's why it was brought up. So let's head on to number five, Zach. And this is a really interesting one. We talked about this on the very first episode of Factor Fiction when it was Jeff and myself before you came on. And we talked about the, the question at the time was, will the draft priority in 2017 be identical to what it was in 2016? And when you're talking about what the draft priority has been, it seems like tight end is a high priority. It seems that corner is a high priority. So I'm going to go focus more on the tight end. So number five, tight end will not be a high priority in the 2017 draft now as it was in 2016. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I said fact for this initially, but now I'm, I'm going to lean towards fiction simply because I, I see so many different Steeler tight ends making plays, Brian. It doesn't make any sense for me. I mean, Jesse James out there looks like he's been doing what Heath Miller was doing for years. And then somehow Xavier Grimble comes into play every once in a while. And we're even seeing a little bit of David Johnson too. So I think all in all, yeah, we're only seeing good things right now from the Steelers' tight ends. What, what is the need to go out and draft one right now? Um, you know, we haven't even mentioned whether or not Ladarius Green is going to be cleared to play <laughs> here uh, in, the, in the returning future. Jesse James and Xavier Grimble, man, they're having seasons. And, and honestly, I would not be that worried. Yeah, I am going to agree wholeheartedly with you. Uh, tight end has fallen down um, considerably as far as needs go. Here's the thing about Jesse James. You know he can catch a football. And he has been doing a very good Heath Miller impersonation on catching the football. And Ben, every time he throws to, throws to this guy, he's getting more confident in him. And he is, when you become, and we've talked about this before, when you become a Ben guy, big thing, because he is going to look for you. And he's looking for uh, James more than he is Grimble, but Grimble's very valuable too. And these are two second-year guys out of uh, big schools, Penn State University, USC. And uh, they're two guys that can really play very good football, and they can really catch the ball. Now, if you're going to draft a guy, you're probably going to draft a tight end a whole lot lower just with match space like blocking ability. Um, but when we're talking about blocking ability in the Pittsburgh Steelers tight ends right now, Jesse James has gotten a whole lot better than where he was last year on the blocking end. In fact, he, he is improving so considerably that, uh, you know, he seems to be the starter that they're going to rely on for a good while. I think he's entrenched, and I think his job is very safe there. They do like to spread it around. And Todd Haley is having an amazing job. No one's talking is doing an amazing job. Nobody's talking about fire Todd Haley, and if they are, they're just smoking crack at this point. But Todd Haley did some very amazing things in that game the other day by having two, 
two uh, linemen eligible at different points. You knew they weren't going to catch the ball, but they were out there lined up as tight ends to go ahead and go ahead and help block the run. But they were also out there in passing situations to help block. So their their blocking ability, I mean, they're doing different schemes on the line with linemen being tight ends, um, and they're mixing things up a whole lot more. Um, that's that's Munchak, that's Haley, and uh, they have they have the belief that they could throw the ball to these guys and be very confident that they're going to catch it. Um, then you have a dynamic pass catcher that hopefully you're going to see him with Darius Green, but even if he doesn't come back right now, at this point it's just like, okay, you're wasting some money on that guy. And that's, that's really what it is at this point. He's not needed. He just needs to get healthy at this point. You'd love to have him back. But he's just got to get help. But well, it'd be it'd be great just year, to have him. You're not missing a beat. It'd be great to just have him. You know, from the perspective of, yeah, he's a guy who is more of that receiving base tight end, where you can leave Jesse James in as the blocking tight end. Um, that being said, I I think we're both in agreement here. This isn't really a big problem. No, there. Can you honestly say? I, I can always honestly say right now, I think they're loaded at tight end, Zach. I would say so as well. And no one, no one thought we'd be having this conversation um, in August. In fact, when Ladarius Green was on the pop, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, what? where's Heath Miller's phone number? Oh, no, Heath Miller just moved back to uh, – he just moved back to Virginia. What are we going to do? So at this point, I mean, and we had we had the fact or fiction that you know he's not coming back. You're just get it out of your head. He's not coming back. And now no one's crying for Heath Miller to come back. And they they love what they have in Jesse James. I I haven't heard anybody criticize Jesse James. And then I'm hearing who's this Grimble guy? Where did he come from? People are excited about the tight ends in Pittsburgh right now. So and it's not the fact that we need Ladarius to come back. We want him to come back. Want that extra weapon. And here's a stat I want to bring up to you. I heard this when listening. Hillgrove brought it up um, during the game, and it was so interesting to hear that Ben had thrown to and completed a pass to every single eligible uh, receiver, not just the receivers, the backs. Every single person. He threw to and completed a pass to that was on that, that was, we're dressing to play. I think is absolutely amazing. Now, then they're like, well, hold on a second. Every eligible receiver, we can't go ahead and say that because Hubbard was, uh, ended up being eligible. He wasn't thrown to, but he's a lineman. So all, all guys wearing receiver type numbers or running back type, type numbers, they were, uh, and Harris, I, I failed to mention Harris, the other lineman that was, uh, was deemed eligible on a couple of plays too, but anybody that was that usually catches is eligible to catch a ball. He was finding everybody. So what do you do with the defense with an offense like this? You brought it up earlier. When was the last time you saw an offense like this? Ben has so many weapons right now, and he can go to almost anybody. This is almost you. You can't cover this whole team because he has so many sets of reliable hands right now, Zach. It's just, oh, it's glorious. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot to like here, Brian. And, and honestly, it's not even a problem here in my mind. No, no, this, this is a, it's great when you're debating the fact on how, how uh, good something is or how great it is. <laughs> and so right now we're really happy with tight end. So that leads us to number six. Okay, we went from just Armageddon in week three against Philadelphia, went to redemption in week four against Kansas City, and then also saw the same week where the 3 0 Ravens, who a week before we were talking about that they're, they could possibly run away, they're possibly the best team in the North. And that's a, I know you were on vacation last week, Zach, and one of the things we talked about, one of the facts, for the fact that the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the North. Last week, um, Eric, who was filling in for you, he went fishing. I went fact because at that point, last week, that was the best team in the North. Now, number six, the Steelers have reemerged as the front runners to win the AFC North. Is that fact or fiction? I think it's fact, but, Brian, I, I can't even believe that the Ravens were in the discussion. Take a look at the three teams that they beat. Buffalo, Cleveland, Jacksonville. And they've all won by one score every single time. They're not blowing teams away by any means whatsoever. They're just finding ways to win in the late hours of the game. Uh, You've got to remember that the Ravens were getting killed by Cleveland for most of that game as well. Um, And now it seems like they've gotten an even easier cakewalk here in their next three games between the Giants, Jets, and Skins. Um, you know, I am very interested to see that week nine matchup against the Steelers. I think it's really going to prove which team is actually dominant and which one can actually win this division. And don't count out Cincinnati. Let's not ever forget about the Bengals. They're still a phenomenal team. Yeah, we saw how sure. great they were last year. And, yes, the one and three record does not look that promising. But I promise you there is more to believe uh, in Cincinnati. Okay, Zach. I am going to change your mind on this, but let's let's get this completely off the books. Let's uh, go ahead and get to number six. Yes, the Steelers have emerged as the front runners to win the North back, and they have turned around once again. You can see, couple that with the Ravens' loss, you can definitely see it. Um, I know Cincinnati is in the mix, and I believe they're two and two actually, Zach. I don't believe they're one and three. Um, yeah, they're, they are two and two, the Cincinnati Bengals are. Um, and they are definitely a threat, and they're always going to be a threat um, in 2016. But I think Pittsburgh has righted the ship. I really think that this is back to being the team of destiny that I, I thought they were. So I think they become the front runner once again. What always worries me about the Pittsburgh Steelers is that they seem to win the games they're not supposed to win and they seem to lose the games that they're supposed to go and, and run all over teams, all of the New York Jets of Michael Vick two years ago, the Mike Lennon Tampa Bay team of two years ago, and the Cleveland Browns of two years ago. Uh, just, just to mention a few, it seems like they have those, those little stinkers about, uh, against teams that they just are supposed to just beat up and down the field. But I think that's going to all change. I think this was a very big turning point of a game against Kansas City. So I'm not worried about it. I look for a very big year to uh, – I, I really think the season started when they lost that game to Philadelphia. I really think it did because that really changed this team. 
I, it was either Tom, Todd Haley or Keith Butler who said, and I think it was Haley that said that loss was not necessarily a bad thing to Philadelphia just for the fact that it was a major wake-up call. Now, the reason I put the Baltimore Ravens in the equation last week, a lot of people thought I was crazy because you're right. They haven't beaten very good teams so far. But here's what happens when you're the team that is not supposed to win anything and all of a sudden you are 3-0. and You start to believe it. You start to believe in magic. You start to believe in the fact that no one believes in you, but there's 53 guys in a coaching staff that believes in you, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, we can beat the world. And if you get to a point when you're um, – and I was saying this last week, Pittsburgh goes ahead and loses this game to Kansas City. If that, goes, that happens and they go ahead and beat the, the Raiders, you're two up and Pittsburgh is now trying to reevaluate their entire season and they're looking for help at the end of the season and they, they see a, a team two games ahead. And that game, you start gaining momentum when you start winning games, when you start pulling out games at the end. When that happens, you know, you start to feel like you're a world beater. And that's what was happening. That's why I think this loss was so, such a big deal um, for the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Them losing that game in the manner that they did, um, it, it was not it, – it's really going to knock them down quite a bit as far as momentum goes. But momentum is a crazy thing. Even if you're not a great team, but you start to play above your head and you keep on doing it, and those are the kind of teams that become teams of destiny and go ahead and make the playoffs and make noise in the playoffs. So that's why they were brought into the equation, Zach. I went ahead and lost Zach. Um, That is – yeah, I went ahead and lost Zach. So um, we're going to go ahead and try to get him back on here. But that is the reason that was – that was brought back, brought up, excuse me. And uh, that is for now. And uh, we thank you very much for tuning in. I am going to go ahead and see if we can go ahead and get Zach back on the line. I'm having trouble with the board here. And uh, sometimes I am very, I am not very technologically savvy. So I do apologize for that. But uh, lots of great things happening with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, very excited on uh, definitely a fact check. Good night. Aloha, I'm Clifford from Yamanoa Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, 
fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders, at a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese, all fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>